0: So on this show, we talk about the process, that's what we do, we talk about the process of shooting photographs, we, shot, we talk about the process of cooking food, we are obsessed with the steps and the skills and the determination and focus that it takes to become a master at a craft, right? And that's what we do. And as this show has has gone on, I, I, I've seen it turning, and I've seen it sort of shifting and becoming really a conversation about how we grow as humans and how we become empathetic and deal with our emotions and how we process our fears and our anxieties and how we deal with imposter syndrome and how we deal with fame and then the sudden rejection of work. I mean, it it has become a theme, whether or not I'm intentionally doing it, that has come, become to the forefront of this podcast. And- I'm kind of happy it is. And I'm happy that we're not just a show that talks about face value bullshit, because there's a, there's a lot of that out there. And if, if that's what you want, if you want to listen to the guest telling you what new piece of equipment to buy and how exciting this gear is, or if you want someone to tell you that, uh, you know, this is gonna be an easy task to become an artist, or this will be uh, will make you a ton of money if you decide to go into the movie business, or you know, it's easy to do once you follow these specific steps and you'll get exactly where you're going. And this isn't the show for you. What we do here is we try to talk about life and how it works for us and how we process it in the moment that we're in and how just because I'm processing specific things right now this way, next day, two hours from now, it's gonna be different. It doesn't It doesn't make a difference. And so understanding that our world is this flexible, that our ground and our gravity is constantly shifting and changing um it's hard not to feel anxiety it's hard not to feel uh overwhelmed and uh my hope is that with the guests that we get on this show we understand a bit more about how they sort of process that how they deal with the overwhelming notion that life is consistently changing around us every second of every day um today's show is a great one i have an interesting guest on the show uh of course it does sort of fit into the photography world because uh he ended up becoming a photographer but we talked briefly about that and i I also want to early on apologize because i feel like the show starts to get solid starts to get really fucking great and then unplanned unscheduled my landscaper shows up with some pretty loud equipment so we have to call it short in about an hour don't fret the first hour is fantastic and my guest today trevor thompson has so much to talk about i mean this is a guy who's he he calls himself a hunter an explorer a photographer i mean this guy has done uh base jumping he jumps out of uh, thousands and thousands of times he jumps out of airplanes he's done it so much so that his body it's it's muscle memory for him at this point it's kind of insane we also talk about his eight years uh his career at being a navy seal the training that it took to become a navy seal how working for the military taught him how to use cameras which is interesting um and uh i i get to ask all the the questions that you want to know about what is it like cramming yourself into a tiny submarine what is it like stepping to the ledge and hoping that uh, that those weather stats that you looked at were correct and that some breeze isn't going to blow you and smash you back up against a rock you just jumped off of? All sorts of really fun stuff um, with our guest today, Trevor Thompson. But before we get into that, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Thank you for so for subscribing to the podcast. What are you guys listening to it on? What are you ladies using? Are you using Apple Podcasts? Are you using Spotify? Are you using Stitcher? What is your preferred uh podcast delivery system? Let me know. Write to me on Instagram and tell me because uh I'm just curious, man. I look at stats, but you know, stats stats can be fucking wrong. I want to know from you. Um also uh at uh, at my pod uh, jesus christ my brain just shut down also at my instagram page um i will be doing new contests new giveaways uh we're making new t-shirts make sure you head over to inlovewiththeprocess.com there our super fans blog is going strong this is where everybody's been leaving their uh, comments their reviews on 12 km plus all of my suggestions for films in subgenres from now until Halloween. And I think the show will come out before Halloween. Um, that is all at inlovewiththeprocess.com in the super section. So thank you everybody for that. Um, let's see, what else is going on with me? This morning I did a bike ride. I've been trying to get my ass in gear. I'm recording the show on the 5th of October. Um, so I just got back from Louisiana, ate way too much. You have this moment where you sort of, do you notice that you, you don't keep track of how fat you're getting? You just don't. You look in the mirror. Most days, I'm never looking at a full full mirror. I'm just looking at my face. I'm like, yeah, you look all right. You're doing all right. You're doing good, right? And uh, after this trip and after the fucking, you know, fried food, the po' boys, the fucking beer, 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 your boy just felt big, right? He feels big right now. So I've been dragging my ass up, taking a bike out, riding around, trying to make myself look good for my fiance. She just walked right in the room. Don't give me shit. She just walked in the room. Um, Yes, we're engaged too. I haven't talked about that on the show. This is the first time I'm talking about it. I decided that, uh, you know, a solid six years with this hussy was enough time to get engaged. (laughs) Right? Six years? Yeah, 13 years. (laughs) She hates it when I do that. Um, But we'll have to do a show You'll have to come on the show We'll talk about Being engaged Has it changed your life? Yeah Now that you have I don't see the ring on your finger (laughs) For special occasions (laughs) So yeah That was something that recently happened too Um, And uh, thank you for everybody That uh, was uh, reaching out And uh, uh, congratulating us on it I don't Necessarily feel like I've done anything different, um, and you know we decided or I decided to ask Gina because uh, I thought it would just be something that was nice to change the way that we referred to each other. <laughs> do you st- do you still call me your fiance when you talk to people? Uh, I like yeah. it. Yeah, have you started? Does it feel comfortable? Is it weird? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Instead of just me being like, that's my girl. Ugh. You call me your partner? Like, what, are we a business together? Ugh. That's gross. I'm going to call you my, my sea hag now. That's the equivalent of partner. Anyway, no, no offense to anybody that does that. But, ew. <laughs> anyway, all right, I'm rambling. I'll get myself in trouble uh let's get into it man without further ado let's start our conversation with trevor trevor thompson hunter explorer photographer uh navy seal skydiver uh he's done stunt work he's done it he's done a bit of everything um and uh, i think you guys are gonna like this so strap in you know check your shoot make sure you packed it well all right everybody let's walk to the edge i know this is the first time for me too how's the wind okay all right everybody lift up left left foot ready and uh let's jump off into the brand new episode we're in love with the process Thanks for being on the show. How are you, buddy?
1: I'm doing great. I uh, hope you're doing well too.
0: Yeah, man. We were just talking offline. You just finished a workout, and you're you're ready to rock. Me too, man. <laughs> if I can call it a workout. Although, if I look, <laughs> when I look at what you do, uh, mine's probably not even a probably you don't you probably don't even crack a sweat thinking about what I do for a
1: workout. So you know what you know what though it's and I tell people this on a pretty regular basis is. I'd rather hear that somebody does a 15 or 20 minute what what is essentially nothing to somebody every single day (laughs) than do one or two super hard hour and a half long workouts a week because consistency is what's going to be better for your overall health, your mental health, and how much you're going to be able to get out of those workouts.
0: Yeah, man. It never really occurred to me how much, you know, working out does for your mental health until because I, I, you know, growing up as a kid, I really, you know, I'm a filmmaker guy and I'm like an artist nerd and I really wasn't a sports kid. Um, And so it wasn't until later in my life that, you know, eventually sitting behind the editing, (laughs) sitting at the edit station you know, and drinking beers, you know, for 20 years, <laughs> you hit a point where you go, I should probably start moving my body. around a little bit. <laughs> Um, and, and as I started doing that, uh, you know, cause our business is so, you know, friggin' stressful. Um, I started to find that I was like leveling myself out a little bit mentally. And I'm like, Oh, weird. What? A- Everybody talks about this, but it just never really occurred to me until I experienced yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, dude, I'm happy. To, I'm, I'm excited to chat with you. Like, uh, just looking at everything that you have done, what you have, what you do. I mean, you know, eight, you know, eight years <laughs> as a Navy SEAL, and then you know, like just hunting and like wilderness, jumping out of airplanes, and photography. Like, how do you how do you find the fucking time to do all this?
1: <laughs> um. Well. You know, and I've, I've had that asked a couple times recently where people say, you know, how, how do you have the time or how did you get the time? Um, well, th- there's a couple different answers that are all compiled on each other, which is I've made a whole bunch of yes decisions in my life. I just kept saying, I'm going to give that a try. I'm going to try that. Mm. Yeah. Why not? Mm. Uh, it, from deciding to join the Navy and be in the SEAL teams uh, to wingsuit base jumping to, uh guiding up in Alaska, um, everything has been, yeah, sure, I'll give that a shot, followed by, I do not follow money. I do not follow paychecks. Mm-hmm. If if the amount of pay is what I think is worth my time, then I will participate in the thing as long as my entire life is able to not be swimming in debt, right, and yeah, so, with those two things going on, I don't I don't leverage myself financially, and I don't pursue finances as my end all. And that's what's given me the opportunity to be able to do a lot of that stuff.
0: It's got to be so uh, exhilarating, and, and and really, it's got to take a lot of stress off the plate to have that that mindset because now you're you're more chasing experience than you are chasing cash at that point, right?
1: Damn right, I'm a uh, I'm an experienced collector. That's what I do.
0: <laughs> I love that, man. Me too. Me too. Um, you know,
1: it's it, it's
0: funny how it's the same thing with uh, the movie business because, you know, c- contrary to popular belief, we don't get paid a fucking thing until <laughs> until like years and years later. Most of our experiences are, you know, donating time and, and uh, you know, chasing uh, what sort of lightning strikes and, and, and finding the passion uh, to just do the work um, with, uh, you know, maybe even sort of the blind – Faith that eventually it'll pay off at some point.
1: That's yeah, it. and I, I've seen that from uh, from the inside also. Uh, I've done some work as a stunt guy. Um, I'm a SAG stunt guy also. Nice. Um, done a very very little bit. So anybody out there listening, teeny tiny bit. Wouldn't even call myself a journeyman. Uh, there's people that actually make their living doing that. It's not me.
0: <laughs> well, well, let's let's start sort of at the beginning here. What? Like what, how, how did you grow up? Like what, where, where, where'd you come from initially?
1: So, um, uh, yeah, I'm from Southern California, uh, Agora Hills, Westlake Village, which is just a little bit North of LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up in a, I mean, damn, like you could have called it one of the better, nice middle-class upbringings. I was exceptionally lucky. Um, My parents were great. I have two younger brothers. Uh, All four of my grandparents are still alive. Uh, One of them just turned 100. Wow. Uh, I I had an exceptionally fortunate upbringing in that respect. Um, They introduced myself and my brothers to art, music, uh, sports. We kind of all had to do one of some of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, (laughs) that paid off later. Uh, I was participating in track and field from when i was about nine until 18 um and then i went to art school i went to the school of the art institute of chicago oh uh, cool to, man yeah i wanted to focus on doing museum restoration um i wanted to be near the durers i wanted to be right on top of the rembrandts like that was the thing that i wanted to do was to be the person with the white gloves and be able to see it that's um, cool. obviously it's, not quite what happened
0: (laughs) (laughs) a little bit of a difference, but what was your obsession with that? I mean, that's such a fascinating thing to want to get into is the restoration. Was it just because you were obsessed with the art and you wanted to be that
1: close to it to examine it or is it that it's that, and there's only one, you know, so there's the one lilies. Yeah. There's just the one, uh, you know, name the artist, uh, Turner, Durer, Rembrandt. There's there's only one of each of those. So you get to help maintain those for the future. Um, and by happenstance, you're also able to be right up next to all these masters pieces of work. And your own art can benefit from learning at the ground floor, yeah. right in front of those people. Yeah.
0: yeah, that's super cool. I didn't think about it like that. And it, it makes sense, right? Because those all those artists are long dead it's not like there are youtube tutorials <laughs> from those <laughs> artists out there like explaining this is how i did it and this is the behind the scenes like we are so spoiled with now with who we consider the greats and aren't you know
1: if they're still alive they're usually uh, doing a masterclass explaining their process exactly i mean it, it would be it would be similar to trying to figure out how fellini made his films by watching his films yeah yeah yeah, it's difficult, and it requires a a different approach. So,
0: yeah, man, that's cool. So then you, so you went to school for art
1: for a little bit. Yeah, for uh, I was there for about three months before I decided this shit is not for me. And <laughs> what do you mean? What was this shit? Uh, I just I felt like I got sold a bill of goods. Um, yeah, yeah. They they the school does a fantastic job in getting people jobs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was not focused on that. I really wanted to do classical uh, type of art. I, I think I would have been better served just going to a, uh, l- like an artist commune type of thing in Italy. They they have some of those group learning environments mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. here's how to, here's how to sculpt. Uh, that's just in retrospect. But I also come from a family that has a really long military um, service history and not, Careers, but just when there is a war going on, and the U.S. has been at war for almost its entire existence, um, they've served. So we've been in everything from the French and Indian War, and then every conflict all the way up to this last one. Crazy. So uh, I decided to do something totally different, and <laughs> I was going to join the Navy. That was 2006, so that was kind of the middle of the last, you know, global war on terrorism.
0: Yeah. Right. I was gonna ask that because it it seems like without uh, without understanding that your family has such a history with that, it's such a it's such a huge turn to go into the military and what was your thought process on it? Did you want to live up to you know what your father had done and what your grandfather had done? It, was it something that was ingrained into you or was there just specific events that were happening in the world at that moment? you're like, I need to go take care of these things right now uh,
1: It was more so specific events. um there was no pressure, no. No assumption that that's what any of uh, the kids would do. I'm the only one that ended up being in the military for any length of time. Um, I just felt like there was there's stuff to do, and the country had given me such a great head start and such an incredibly fortunate family experience that why not mm-hmm. serve now? Um, and I was old enough, I was the right age. There was a lot going on. Uh, the military was hurting on numbers anyways. So I decided. Well, I'm I'm not stupid, um, and I'm athletically sound. So I'm probably going to enlist because I don't have a college degree. So let's just pick the hardest thing possible. Wow, uh, <laughs> that's what I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Navy SEALs is not a simple. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do, man. Like, uh, and and was it what you thought it was, or was it harder than you thought it was? And and and. Were you always, were you, are you the type of person that just puts his head down and just goes through it? Or did you have your doubts while you were going through the process?
1: No, I didn't really have any doubts. Um, I'm so I I feel like there's, there's a couple different kinds of guys that end up going to those programs. And there's, there's two types that really make it, um, and do well making it. And those are the guys that, pretty much know what's going on. Some of them have been, been there before. Um, either they've been hurt or quit in the, the past and have come back. Mm-hmm. And so they really have an understanding of what's going on. Um, or they're a little bit older, meaning now going to Bud's, that would be tw- maybe 24, mm-hmm. <laughs> would be <old>. 25. Um, <laughs> I, I was 19. Yeah. And so I I was on the other side of that spectrum, which is um, I, was, I was too stupid, meaning just too... <laughs> un uneducated on what was going to be there to really know how bad it was going to be. So I showed up with an ego, which you kind of need to get through those programs. Um, yeah. And an attitude of, they're going to have to fucking kill me to get me out of here. And so that was my attitude. So I just put my head in the sand and went for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's right. You definitely do have to have some sort of ego to get through because they, they really break you down. I mean, like I've, what little I know about it is just through people that I've talked to that have done it. And, and it's, it seems like it's a, it's a, a hard process of really bringing you all the way down to the bare essentials of being, of surviving, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, and they're looking for people that are willing to sacrifice any semblance of comfort in order to accomplish the goal that they've set out in front of them. Um, that doesn't mean getting hurt. That doesn't mean do it at all costs. It's, how far can this person push themselves mm-hmm. in order to serve the mission ahead of them?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because they're, they're sending the seals to do like, like in, insane stuff. Or potentially you could be in a situation that uh, is that insane. and and they're essentially trying to teach you the, the skills that it takes to survive something like that. Right?
1: Yeah. I mean, they end up teaching you the skills, but what they're looking for is somebody who has that just in them. Um, and they've done, uh, so that program's been going on since 1961, 62, and they've done a bunch of psych studies, they've done a bunch of physical studies, they've done lab studies, they've moved bits and pieces of the training pipeline around, trying to figure out what gets guys to get through. You know, all right, what what makes this person do this thing? And, you know, they've tried to graph that on an X and Y graphs, and it looks <laughs> like somebody took a shotgun and shot it at the graph. They, they cannot figure out why the fuck somebody who is a, division one athlete and has had every opportunity to be a top performer will quit in three days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But then you have some kid that was kind of shitty at wrestling, but <laughs> grew up in, you know, Minnesota. No, no understanding of what the ocean is, is a star performer. They, they just don't have a way to understand what makes those guys tick which is incredible that the program has continued to turn out people that are as hard nosed, intelligent and dynamic as they are.
0: Yeah. It's wild. I mean, you going through, what do you, what do you think? What do you, what do you think the reason is?
1: I, I really, I don't know. Cause everybody's reason for being there is different. Um, I mean, I just told you, I've decided I was going to do that when I was 18. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I know guys that had quote unquote decided to do that when they were six, seven, eight years old. Like, oh, I'm going I'm to be a Navy SEAL. And it was a, their entire life's ambition. I The only determining factor that makes somebody who quits versus somebody else who makes it is, do you really want to be there?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, you really, and I mean, th- really want to be there. Yeah. And some guys just, they, they want to be there, but there's a major difference between, yeah, I want to do this, and no, they get, they will literally have to break me to get me out of here.
0: Right. Cause it's, I mean, (laughs) when you watch this sort of stuff in Hollywood, you see this stuff in movies, it it seems like they're attempting to break you. That's what they're trying to do. Is, is that stuff the real thing or is it different when you actually do it?
1: It's pretty close. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty damn close. I mean, they can only go so far. They can't kill you. Uh, Guys have died in training through accidents and mishaps, but in programs that are that difficult stuff like that, can happen, um, but man, do they get you close? And that is the goal. Yeah, you know, they they want to see how far you're willing to go. So, so then you 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 make it through, right? So
0: you're yep. you're 19 at this point. And you 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 make it through. Like, how do you feel after you accomplish that 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 thing? How did how did it change you?
1: I, I don't know if it changed me as much as just opened my mind to the possibilities of what my mind and body could do together. Yeah. Um, that's what's incredible about it. And you're young. And so you're also told, hey, just so you know, you earn your trident every day. That's something that they tell us. You can get kicked out at any time. <laughs> I mean, there's been admirals that have been kicked out of the Navy. You know, there's been guys that have been in for 18 years that have been had their trident pulled. So you earn that damn thing every single day. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to you to earn it every day. So you're never actually done.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Wow. And okay. So then you, 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 accomplish it and then did they ship you out right away? Did you do your first tour right after that?
1: So there was a, there was a group of guys that actually did end up going to a team that only a few months later they went overseas to, I think all those guys went to Afghanistan. Um, it was a couple of years before I went to Afghanistan. I did another deployment, um, maybe a year and a half after I got out of buds because the team I went to, we specialize in, um, more amphibious stuff. So we do, I learned to drive a 20 something foot mini submarine. Super cool. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I've done a ton of scuba diving, tech diving, mixed gas diving. And that was the team that I was assigned to go to. Um, all the SEALs have all the same skills. Just there's a few teams that have a couple extra things that we tack on. And uh, mm-hmm. SD Hawaii, which is Seal Delivery Vehicle team, uh, that's our extra thing. Is working with mini subs, doing amphibious work. Uh, we as much as the SEAL teams are maritime based. The uh, the guys over at SDV are wet all the time.
0: <laughs> right. I'm sure they weren't using that a, a, a ton in Afghanistan yeah yeah that's that's cool man it seems like mini subs and all that stuff that that seems like you must have been playing with a lot of really fun toys
1: yeah a lot of fun toys um diving's exceptionally dangerous it's not really something that humans are designed to do uh you know we left the water what hundreds of millions of years ago so (laughs) Uh, i'll tell you what you can't breathe water i've tried (laughs)
0: yeah it's not the abyss they don't have the uh the pink water that they
1: were no they don't (laughs) feeding people that's wild man
0: that's cool so you mustn't have any sort of claustrophobia at that point if you're you know strapping if you're sealing yourself into a tube and, and uh
1: oh yeah um no i don't really have any issues with claustrophobia um at all uh claustrophobia the dark water i no real fears there. Um, and that it was actually described to me before I went over there because we asked uh, one of the instructors what it was like. And we asked him, he said, well, it's like getting into a, uh, a two foot by two foot cupboard and snaking a regulator in there and filling it full of water and shutting the door. So <laughs> if you don't think you'll like that, then you have a rude awakening ahead of you. <laughs>
0: Well, talk about like having a heightened awareness of not only your body and how your body is responding to things, but also the people around you. And I, you know, being a, a, a guy that creates these environments and is always studying sounds and always studying ap- uh, emotions and atmosphere, there's a. I'm, I'm slightly envious of the experiences that you've had because I, I can only imagine. The things that you've seen doing that, and in, in the, in the, the situations that you witnessed doing that, you know.
1: Yeah, it's it can be. It it it's wildly different to try and describe to somebody what it's like to know that there's another person inches from you, but it's so dark you can't see them, and because you're underwater you can't hear them. It's it's very strange. I mean, like disturbingly weird.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, you're talking
1: to a horror movie director here, so this stuff's going in. (laughs) It's well, here. Here's one for you. You know, the visual plus the auditory. Like, imagine that muffled underwater sound, Mm -hmm. vape, and then you're wearing a full face mask. Which has like a, a piece of uh, plexiglass. It's like just, you know, two, maybe two centimeters away from your eyeballs.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. That silt is so heavy in the water that you, if you take your hand and you press it up against the, the frame of that full face mask, you can just make out the edges of your fingers. Wild. I know. So now imagine doing work like that by feel.
0: It's crazy. So you're essentially just feeling, feeling your way around like a blind person. What kind
1: of work were you doing underneath? In that? Uh, I mean, you know, say driving the sub, driving the mini sub, or moving a regulator. Like ima- imagine your your scuba regulator shits the bed. Yeah, yeah. Now you have to you have to put it all back on another one, a new one by feel, but you have to find it by feel first. It's crazy. And check it by feel. It's believe me, it's terrifying. <laughs> I bet. (laughs) I bet, man. Wild.
0: Okay. So, so, uh, so you're, you're, uh, you're doing that. You're getting wet all the time. (laughs) You're you're out there. Um, at this point, how old are you? You early 20s at this point?
1: Yeah. I'd say 21, 22. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and peak physical condition.
1: I was in pretty good shape. Um, I, I, I don't know if I'm tougher now or not, but I feel like I am at least mentally. Yeah. Yeah, right. I'm more beat up. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, aren't we all, do <laughs> yeah.
0: That's part of getting older. Is just getting beat oh, yeah. up and, and, and surviving trauma and then processing trauma and not letting trauma, you know, change you too much. You know, or trying to grow with trauma and not let it, you know, shape you into a, a grumpy old fuck. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I was uh, I was twenty one, twenty two years old, um, doing that. I was also becoming deeply interested in uh, rock climbing, like trad gear, rock climbing. Um, I was skydiving a lot. I was, I had learned to base jump. So I was starting to tack on all the other idiotic skills that (laughs) I continue to do. Were you just
0: chasing adrenaline? was that what it was, or is it the technical aspects of doing those things or is it the
1: rush for you? You know, I, I really think it's the the training the process the mm-hmm. the accomplishing every step and knowing that there is no end to it mm-hmm. there's no end to the learning you're always just a student of these of these schools of these processes you're you continue to tack on slightly more difficult things you know you're seeing how far you can take yourself as this like poly athlete doing all these different bits and pieces of stuff that require a lot of like, brainscape to function in, but you have to be in good physical shape and you have to stay current at whatever the activity is that you're trying to do. Yeah. That, I think that's it. I, because I don't really, I don't get a rush of adrenaline like at all anymore. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, get, I get nervous, which I think is a really good physical skill to have to understand, you know, what being nervous is. Yeah. Um, not anxious. I don't get anxious. Like, anxiety is different than nerves. Uh, Being afraid is a good thing. Being anxious is really not helpful.
0: What do you think the difference between the two of those is?
1: Anxiety is projecting your, your assumption of what the future could be in the worst possible case Mm -hmm. over and over. And that's, that's somebody who's being anxious about stuff and that's all they're dwelling upon as opposed to if you're afraid that your body's understanding that what you're about to do is consequential, whether that's physically, mentally or emotionally consequential, Mm Mm-hmm and then working through it. That's, that's, that's the difference to me.
0: That's fascinating, man. And that must've been skills that you were learning when you went to the seal stuff, right?
1: Oh, for sure. You're constantly having to force yourself to do things. You may not have volunteered yourself to do on your own. If it was just completely your own choice. Yeah. Uh, Understanding that, you have the training and the capability and people around you that are supporting that decision and probably doing the exact same thing you are.
0: Right. Right. I mean, how do you, I mean, that's, that's serving in the military period. You know, how do you, how do you convince yourself, like pick up the gun and run towards the fucking people that are shooting at you? Like that's. uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, Or, or on the, uh, on the much simpler side of the spectrum, what if there's a fire? Yeah. Like these are all the people that run into the fire. To put it out these are all the people that will change the tire on the truck these are the people that like you said will charge into the room if they have to they are the people that will go and retrieve somebody if it's dangerous they'll still get them
0: yeah right and so you're you're learning this at a very young age right you're learning this at like 19 20, 21 and so that becomes part of your DNA at this point right it does it doesn't surprise me that you're still you're still doing all this stuff and you're uh, still chasing the the sort of technical hurdles that you enjoyed, uh, you know, getting over and getting through. It, it doesn't surprise me, man, because you, you know, what was I learning at fucking 18? You know, like, <laughs> it wasn't movie stuff yet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it's, it's definitely become part of my DNA. Um, I was actually skiing on 4th of July this year, and uh, I was kind of screwing around with my gear and Somebody said, oh, shit, that guy just fell. And we were on this consequential shoot up here. um, And I didn't see him fall. And I guess he slipped and fell quite a ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And looking back on it, well, that day looking back on it, I realized that, oh, yeah, all that shit really is just part of my DNA now. Because there was a whole bunch of like, oh, no, what do we do? And I told everybody to shut the fuck up. And I pointed at a guy that I knew up there and I said, Jay, you and me, are you ready to go? I can put my skis on right now. We'll get down to him if he doesn't wave to us that he's okay right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I realized on the back end, I'm like, oh, that's definitely just my training. That was like telling everybody to be quiet and stop fussing around because I was going to act yeah. instead instead of do whatever they were doing. That's, and that's mostly because they're untrained. But there's nothing to do with their fear or propensity to not do something. They just didn't know what to do
0: right right like most people don't pop out of their mom and go all right strap on some skis let's go figure this out it's like a it's a (laughs) it's a skill it's a skill that's learned yeah all right it's time to take a hot second and uh, show some love to the sponsors of our show Uh, First up, uh, friends over at Puget Systems. If you're in the marketplace for a new computer, maybe you're buying a new edit system, maybe you need a new Photoshop machine, and uh, the one that you've had in the past, it takes fucking forever to run things out. Every time you add a plugin or some sort of new video track, you get the spinning pinwheel of death. I hate that pinwheel of death. Get rid of it. I suggest you build yourself a PC, man. Like, Like jump ship. Go to the other side. Go to a system that is upgradable. Go to a system that will work for you. It's a tool that works specifically for you. Um, I hate to be constricted by rules and regulations. I hate that shit. And I hate that about these big companies that make computers where they go, you've only got three choices. We don't think that you have the brain power to think outside of these three choices. We want to make it as brainless as possible for you. I hate that. So I found this company called Puget Systems. They build PCs they don't make hardware by the way so they're not they're not panhandling off their shit they don't have a warehouse full of stuff that they're trying to sell me these guys do the hard work they benchmark test all the new hardware that exists out there um they're always testing it with the software they're checking in these updates and how that affects the hardware and more often than not you'd be surprised that new graphics card may not do uh much of a difference for you when it comes to the machine that you need and so maybe you save some of the money on that stuff Puget systems has all the answers go to pugetsystems.com build yourself a computer based upon the software you use super simple and when you click on that you'll be surprised to see that they go no no no. talk to one of our folks because we want to build you a custom computer this isn't some out-of-the-box machine we're just going to hand you man we want to know what it is that you make and that's what I love about this company what do you make what do you do how do you make it what do you really need we're going to make you something custom if you're a post-production company and you're ready to make that upgrade and you want computers that all talk to each other, Puget Systems is the place to go. If you're a photographer and you need a desktop machine, you need something big and beefy, and you want to get some beautiful monitor that costs a fucking fortune, save the money on the computer itself. Like build a custom machine, save some of those bucks, and then put it towards that monitor. That's really hard to get cheap. You know what I mean? Puget Systems is the place that I go I have been working on Puget Systems computers for over 10 years now. I'm staring at mine right now as we're talking here. I love it. It's on, by the way. Can't hear. it. It's super quiet. Awesome computer. Awesome company. Great guys. And they continue to sponsor our show. Check out Puget Systems. Go there now. Go to PugetSystems.com and, and build yourself a, a, a fucking computer that's going to change your life, man. I don't say that lightly. Uh, also supporting the show, friends over at Fujifilm. Fujifilm has been supporting the show all year. We love them. They're a great sponsor. Um, and what I love about Fujifilm is how much they support the arts, support artists. They finance short films. They help finance photo shoots. They're the shit, man. Victor Ha over there, great guy. If you haven't heard that episode, go back through the podcast episodes at lovewiththeprocess.com and listen to my conversation with Victor and fall in love with the people behind Fujifilm. Now, go to Fujifilm. Uh, dash x.com the link is in the description of this episode use that link click that link it's trackable so that they know that you're listening uh go there and check out their new gfx 102. it's crazy man we've been using the gfx 100s we love that camera gina's been shooting on that camera we love that camera for its low light capability its color profile and it looks like the gfx 102 is changing the game again crazy autofocus stuff for those of you who don't have a focus bullet don't have an assistant the fact that it's able not only to track faces but you can actually assign it to track objects with its ai tech that's in there yes skynet is in there um it has the ability to track airplanes birds also it's a crazy stuff man um and this is large format stuff for those of you who don't understand what large format is it's a bigger image And oftentimes when you're shooting photos that need to be on billboards, on buses, on the, on the side of like Times Square, you need a larger format. You want that resolution. You want that detail. And in the past, it's been a very expensive thing to do. You're working with these older cameras that have, uh, the need for a lot of light, um, and what's great about Fujifilm is it's sort of changing the game with all that stuff. ISO 80 standard sensitivity by improving the pixel structure on the new sensor standard sensitivity has been extended to iso 80 now photographers can make 16-bit images with a wider dynamic range and lower noise than ever before the new film simulation ooh this is cool their film simulations that they have in their cameras are gorgeous and their film simulations are essentially like lots and i love them i shoot with them all the time they're very inspiring there's nothing more inspiring than having like a cool look that is in camera so that when you're on location, you're seeing it differently through the lens. The new film simulation, what is this? Real A Ace, a Real Ace. Enjoy the latest version of Fujifilm's renowned color science, reala Ace, brand new for the GFX 102. This 20th film si- simulation combines faithful color re- reproduction with hard tone. Oh my God, let me start that again. <laughs> The 20th Film Simulation combines faithful color reproduction with hard tonality, making it uh, suitable for all subjects and situations. I'm looking at this at the same time. The colors look awesome. Click the link in the description of this episode and go check out these colors as I'm talking about them. Wow. Externa bleach bypass. Externa. Oh, man. They have so many great looks in this camera. Beautiful rig. Oh, here we go. This is what we're interested in. Power and precision for video. 4K 60p, 8K 30p, FHD 120p. 422 10-bit internal recording. Mm -hmm. Proving itself as a hybrid powerhouse. The GFX100 II offers 4K, 6K, and 8K. ISO100 can also be used with the standard movie sensitivity for the highest quality footage wow and it's on a large format chip. holy shit dude support for multiple cine recording formats in addition the gfx large format gfx 102 supports various cine recording formats including primista 35 millimeter and anamorphic 35 millimeter holy shit with a basic gf to PL mount adapter, cinematographers anywhere can use the GFX100 massive image sensor with some of the world's most legendary cinema optics. Like if you go to Boca, Boca Rentals and get that stuff. Including Fujifilm's a collection of pre-mista and cab... Cabrio zoom lenses, oh those are awesome lenses, for storytellers with wider aspirations. There are two different high resolution 35mm FF anamorphic recording modes, ah, oh, this is right up my alley, that will provide various de-squeeze monitoring options and camera. Hells yes, these guys are going after the big boys with this camera. Go to Fujifilm right now, see what it is that I'm looking at, click the link in the description of this episode, you're going to be excited about the gfx 102. I'm telling you. Man, exciting times for Fujifilm. And as they were saying, if you put a PL mount on that camera, you can put some some of the crazy cinema lenses. Like you wanna use the lenses they use to uh, shoot Batman? You wanna use the lenses to shoot that show you that everybody loves to have the crazy little bokas and the weird little shutters to create those bokehs? Um You gotta get those lenses. You can't really buy those lenses unless you're independently wealthy. You probably can. Um, but most of us, most of us regs have to go to a local rental house. the best thing to do is to form a relationship early on with your local rental house. Get on there, introduce yourself, say, hey, I am uh, Sarah Silverman or whatever your name is and say, hey, listen, I am a filmmaker. I am a cinematographer. I'm getting started in this business. I really want to get to know you guys. Can I try out some of the gear? What do you guys have in inventory? What do you have in stock? What does it take to become... A renter for your company what do i need for insurance all that stuff go down and talk to your local rental house and if you're in los angeles or las vegas boca rentals is the place i go i go there because they respect me they know that i'm not scorsese right they know that i'm not one of the big dogs and they still support me i won't lose gear on an order because a big dog comes through. They love independent filmmakers. They love brand new cinematographers. They believe in forming relationships early in the career that last. Boca Rentals. Go there now. Check out their inventory. Go to bocarentals.com or check them out on Instagram at Boca Rentals. And uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, Let's see. Who else? Who else? Oh, yep, yep, yep. Black Magic Design. Uh, If you're in the edit process, you now know. If you're in the edit business, you know that uh, Da Vinci's Resolve from Blackmagic is really sort of taken over. They're really pushing it hard. Um, They're sort of taking a lot of folks from Adobe and uh, they're doing so because they have all sorts of really interesting features, a lot of AI features that help you track things, help you sort through things, help you sync things. Um, Their their features in the new version, I think it's like 18.5 or something, are insane. I use DaVinci Resolve to color my work So if you love the color of my films, I did that all in Resolve. I'm staring at a micro panel right now. It's exciting shit, man. I love it. I started way back in the day on color grading, way back in the day. I can't even remember what the software was called. And just the the knowledge that with time, we're going to be able to do so much. And we're finally hit that point like where I can change the color of someone's shirt as they walk across the room. Yeah, that's been around for a while. I can AI track their face as they turn and move and the perspective changes and the camera changes and I can stay with that face selection and you know alter the way their face looks, alter their cosmetics on their face. It's a crazy fucking program. And they're using it as an editor right now. It's got a lot of really great techniques for nonlinear editing. Uh, I can't say enough solid stuff about DaVinci Resolve and talk to Puget. Let them know that you're going to build yourself a DaVinci Resolve edit system and they have the best setup. Right. That's it. Finally, follow me. I'm sorry. Go to inlovewitheprocess.com. Check out all our episodes. They're curated by subject material. So if you want to listen to director episodes, you want to listen to firefighter episodes, you want to listen to some strange stuff. We also have like top 30 episodes, I think. Or up there, let me verify that. It's been a while. What do we got? If you click on ILWP episodes, top 30. Let's see, who's at our tops? Ah, Joe Carnahan's episode, episode 226. That's a great one. The epic series with photographer David James, the two-part series, episode 211. Amazing show. Uh, yeah, go to process.com. Check out some of our past episodes. Cherry, pick your way through hundreds and hundreds of hours of me just talking into this fucking microphone (laughs) (laughs) all right that's it let's get back to the show I've always been a guy as a, as a filmmaker when I was doing a lot of documentary stuff, I've always been obsessed with uh, the obsession and folks that are obsessed with process uh, folks that are obsessed with technique and that, you know, whether it's uh, a painter trying to get that perfect stroke and he's just, you know, 10,000 hours of, of trying to get that correct. Or if it's a chef in a kitchen that is 10,000 hours of trying to, you know, make the perfect egg or if it's you know uh, you know a technician that's attempting to do it i've i've always just been fascinated with the focus that you know that sort of tunnel vision focus that it takes to learn this stuff and, and it, you, you see it in the military i mean you have to see it in the military it's it's mind blowing to think as you know as a as a large entity as a country you need to have a military force and so how do you convince you know, folks to put their lives on the line, uh, for, for a greater cause, for a larger cause. Um, and all that stuff has always been interesting to me. Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. So, okay. So moving on. So you're jumping out of planes a lot. (laughs) This is something I'm uh, sure they taught you when you were a seal, right? Is that where you started? uh,
1: Seal stands for sea, air, land. Um, so that has to do with all the different places that as commandos were, app to be working in Mm -hmm. and part of the process is learning how to do static line jumping which is like the world war ii round you know you're a sack of potatoes on a string Mm -hmm. and um free fall which is jumping out of an airplane more what people assume and see in their head is skydiving uh some guys like it some guys hate it uh i loved it so i was jumping on my own on my own time at the drop zone in hawaii because that's where the team was that i was stationed at Uh and after I was at that team for just over five years, I ended up going to the Navy parachute team um, because after five years, you're requ- required to take some sort of instructor or other billet for two and a half-ish years. Yeah. Uh, and so my choice was I wanted to try out and see if I could go to the jump team. And man, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Um, we do a shit ton of jumping. I did thousands and thousands of skydives while I was there. I jumped into everything from the winter X games to the summer X games to uh, baseball playoff games, NFL football halftimes. Super cool. It's, uh, it's a wild thing to do for a couple of years, especially at that age. I mean, I was 25, 26. <laughs> Super cool. All right. So
0: you you jump out of a plane a couple hundred times. Is it become old hat to you at that point? Do you still feel the same anxieties? Do you still feel the same rush when you jump out of a plane or is it like at this point is it second nature and muscle muscle memory for you.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty old hat. Um, at this point, it's not that terrifying. Yeah. And base jumping is still scary. Well, As, it, and it should. <laughs> yeah. There's so, there's so many other variables,
0: <laughs> you know, the wind might just blow you right back into that rock. <laughs> awesome. You know, that's that's crazy. I've never di- I've never skydived before. I like, I, I'm one of those guys that like, <laughs> the, 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 i have a story that uh years ago i went ice skating for the first time and i slipped backwards and fell on the ice and i cracked my skull and ended up in a in a hospital with a hematoma five days of like intensive care so i was like if i can't fucking ice skate <laughs> <laughs> <in that> guy? <laughs> yeah, i should probably not jump out of an airplane <laughs> You know, let me, let me, let me read the stones here and go, yeah, all right. I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily a thing, but it's super cool, man. Like, uh, the, the level of, of, of training that you need to do that. And you know, the, the faith that the uh, equipment that you're wearing on your back is going to work every time. That's, that's going to be nuts, man.
1: It is, but it's also rewarding. Um, I mean, specifically with base jumping, base jumping is, it's all on you. Right. You, right, you pack the rig, you probably rigged the rig and it's all you. You're making the decision. You know, you, if, if you kill yourself, that's on you.
0: Well, what's the process for a base jump? Like are you you know checking the wind, checking the weather, packing your bag? like what do you go through when you decide you're gonna do something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean uh, usually you take kind of a a mental check of yourself in the morning. And then you check the weather. Um, you've already packed your rig, almost certainly. You might do a couple jumps that day, so you might be packing as the day goes on. Um, you get to the place you're going to go, and you do another mental check, physical checklist. And if you want to do it, you step up to the edge and you leave. Wild. And it is It's wild. It's It's incredible that it's a thing that we can do right now. Um, we're at this really cool, special nexus in technology, human performance, and a lack of rules Mm -hmm. in the world. Uh, If it was a hundred years from now, I don't know, there might be too many pieces of red tape that you couldn't just step up to the edge of a cliff in a tourist area and leave. Like I was, I was just in Italy, um, in August and, there's a, a place that's accessed by gondolas, and there's hundreds of people on top of Saspardoy mm-hmm. in, uh, uh, outside of Canazei, mm-hmm. and there's people standing there just up there for lunch to hang out, and we're allowed to walk up to the edge of this cliff that has a 900-foot drop-off Jeez. and just jump off.
0: It's crazy, man. Wh- what's, that, what's that like, right? So when you, when you step up to that at that ledge, and then you make that decision— what is that first step like for you?
1: Well, years ago, it was terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now it's more like I'm doing the the whole checklisty thing. Like, all right, you know, does my suit feel good? Do I feel good? What's the wind like? Um, I don't really get a thrill from it mm-hmm. from the jet, from the actual exit anymore. Um, I get a thrill from the flight. I get a thrill from flying parachute. I get excited. I like it. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Uh, but I get that like like my stomach doesn't drop. I don't, I don't have that thing anymore. It's my body just doesn't react that way. It hasn't for a long time. That's, I mean, dude, I would assume thousands
0: of times jettisoning yourself out of an airplane and, (laughs) 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 you know, going Mm -hmm. to the tallest point that you possibly can and going, yeah, I'm just going to step right off here. Okay. Like you, you,
1: your body must have figured it out at this point. It's got, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't get the shakes. I don't, none of it. Um, and it's, it's the same for everything. It's the same when I ice climb. It's the same when I backcountry ski. Um, it's the same when I hunt. Like, I just don't, I don't get the pre-performance jitters.
0: Yeah, all that stuff is really interesting to me. Like, I, I just spent last week, I was hanging out in Louisiana with um, my uncle, who is a retired Marine, and uh, he's also a hunter. He's in his 60s now, and he's a hunter, and he hunted through. Uh, he used to have a place up in Vermont and he would, you know, do bear and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, deer and elk and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I was talking to him for quite some time. We were just sitting on the porch and having a few beers and we just got lost in a conversation for a few hours on his process for hunting and especially up in that cold environment and how, you know, he, he would layer himself out in the sort of mental preparation that it takes and the mental um strength that it takes to just be out in that environment and be in that cold and un- understand your body and in tune with your body and and how he was like wicking his sweat because he knew that that would eventually freeze and like th- his whole process of it was so fucking fast there, there hit a point where all he wanted to do was just to film on that i just wanted to follow a guy out <laughs> and and do that because the steps are so fucking interesting it, it and especially if you're doing something like that in, in a, at a very cold environment, you know, you can fucking freeze to death out there. You could die out there.
1: Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be fascinating, different and uh, really cool to do a documentary on somebody doing a documentary of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, that'd be cool. But seriously. like,
1: Okay. I have to function in this environment, but I also have to function my camera equipment and watching somebody having to figure out how to do that, how to deal with tech in a harsh place. I just think that'd be neat.
0: Well, I mean, yeah. So you've had years now as a photographer and you've been playing with this gear for a while. How did you get into that?
1: It was an outlet for me. Um, Instead of doing physical art, uh, I started taking photos Mm -hmm. and, and I learned through doing not through class. Mm-hmm. uh the thing that i was at in hawaii we do a lot of reconnaissance work so we had a slightly more in-depth um understanding of how to work camera equipment uh we were working with i think we were working with canons so all canon equipment mm-hmm. so i'd worked with everything from the you know thousand mil lenses all the way to primes i'd worked with video equipment with adapters uh doublers and all that kind of stuff and i'd understood the the physical side of taking the pictures and knew how to work with light and shadow. And, um, I didn't treat it as an art form, but once I got my hands on my own camera, um, after being at the team a few years and bought one for myself as an outlet, then I really started to understand how to take pictures as more of a expression of how I see that moment.
0: Fascinating. Oh, that's so fascinating to me. So then you were, you were learning the gear the same way you would learn how to use a gun or the same way that you would learn how to use any other sort of technical piece of equipment, right? Because you're, they're teaching you to use camera gear specifically for surveillance stuff. It's a tool. Yeah. yeah it's fucking fast. Okay, cool. So then you must have been deep, deep, deep in the tech of it. Like, here's how this thing works. Here's how to set an aperture and here's how to make sure yep. in these environments.
1: Interesting. And like so none of that was ever an issue. Like for me, it was, I I could, I, you can hand me a camera and as long as I can sort of see a few menu items or if it's, you know, like a Leica or a Fuji where they have all the, the dials that are external yep. still, uh, I can just function the camera right away. I've, I've never had an like, issue. I won't under or overexpose or be out of focus unless that, those things are on purpose.
0: Okay. So, so then you're, you're, you're learning this thing as if it's like a, a, like a, like a shovel, like at what point do you decide to then take that shovel and, you know, translate your, your, uh, your personal experiences and your emotional stuff? Like what is the thing that, that's <laughs> that twist that for you?
1: Yeah. Like what, when does the, the rake go from <laughs> the rake to the Zen garden? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a moment. Uh, you know, f- for me, it was wanting to document things that I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I just started carrying a camera around. Like, oh, I just want to like take pictures and document what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, just cause why not? Yeah. And this was for cell phones had great cell cameras. I mean, this was 2007, eight, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I just started carrying it around. And then eventually it got to the point where I'm like, I'm kind of good at this. Uh, I just, I want to take more. And the, the pictures became a little bit more artistic, which I'm, I'm not surprised. I did it because I came from an art background. Right. 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 That, that was how my brain functioned.
0: Was there, you know, were there photographers and folks that you were kind of following and you, you were obsessed with, or were you just not even connected to that at that point? Were you were you just out there using it.
1: No, I, I, think, and actually, uh, this might be an interesting thing to think about, but I respond, I responded then to, and I still do respond to, um, motion pictures mm-hmm. and, and their sense of color motion dynamic. And then I th- push that through my still photography. Mm-hmm. So I can see when I can see stuff. In movies and go, oh, I really like the DP's vision for this Mm -hmm. because I understand that that's the DP is who's talking through some of this stuff. And then it just gets put in motion in a, you know, movie format. Yeah. So, like, when I see things like The Last Dune or um, The American with Clooney. Yeah, it's an amazing movie. I like how those guys, how the DPs on those projects sort of phrased the color and the vastness and how those look. So I, I've always been on that side of it. That's how I see art has influenced me in photography. It was never still photographers until very recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I, I was very similar. So when I started in my career, I, you know, I went to school to be a director and a filmmaker, but when I got out of school, um, I was very, it was probably like 99, 2000. Um, and, uh, most of the photography or cinematography at that time was still film. And, yeah. you know, I was a young kid who barely knew what the fuck he was doing. And I wasn't about to convince like a 40 year old, you know, film cinematographer to come up to my house during the weekend and do some exercises. Um, <laughs> and so I picked up, this was right before digital was really kicking. And I, I was like, well, I have to teach myself how to do this. So I picked up a still camera and uh, I started to shoot. I think it was shooting with, like, an old Canon AE-1, I think, at the time. And the, uh, the side effect of it was that I ended up um, learning the skills to be a photographer and then had a second career as a photographer and eventually a career as a cinematographer uh, because of my exercises. It was like... Yeah, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I shouldn't even compare the two. It's not like I went to the, you know, SEAL training camp, but I gave myself a photography training camp in which I would put myself in situations. I remember I used to uh, put myself in a room I had never been in before, and I would tell myself, how do I cover this space? How do I document this room in the most interesting way? And how do I tell a story, which is this one specific lens in the most interesting way I can? Um, and, you know, for those of you listening to the show, the byproduct of of that now when you watch my movies and you see a lot of macro work and you see a lot of inserts and closeups and stuff, that's where I taught myself that was in the early days of training with a, with a still camera. But I, my point being is that I was very much influenced the same way you were by motion. And so anytime I was shooting uh, photographs, I was always thinking like, how would David Fincher do this? You know, or how would, you know, Ridley Scott, how would those guys be do- covering this sequence and how do I make, instead of just sort of taking a photograph of a fucking doorknob, how do I make that doorknob feel like it belongs in a space? And how do I make it smell like some space?
1: Um, and I speak- yeah, no, I, I, I get it. And like you, you can teach anybody to use a camera, but you cannot teach anybody how to have an eye for composition. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you can give them the, the skills to compose an image correctly. But like you see, you see somebody's vision for an image and you go, Oh, that's just, that's, that's that person. Yeah. Yeah. That's like that guy or woman is just doing that thing. That's, that's their view of how that is. You know, it doesn't feel cold. It doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel sitcoming. I don't know how to like, not say it without being an asshole, but like there are, there are very cold ways to put stuff together. That's easy for people to replicate and, and to take and to replicate and mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, this is just the formula. But these more artistic visions, they're they're just gorgeous to see.
0: Yeah. And what's wild about it now, I've been examining this a lot lately, right? It's like trying to understand, you know, uh, lightning, lightning strikes and, and inspirational moments and you know how as artists we really can't fucking control them in any way and you're just trying to build yourself an environment it's like you're running around in an open field during a lightning storm with a rod looking for these things and uh, <laughs> like,
1: <"Darn> it.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly cut down that tree it's in the way um but the thing that's really interesting about what, you, what you're talking about is i don't think you can teach people composition but you can assist them in the awakening of composition i think that when i started doing movie stuff i remember the first thing that blew my my face open (laughs) was when i started uh when they were teaching me about shooting i was shooting on film and they're teaching me the difference between daylight and tungsten and i had this sort of motion because prior to that like everybody else it's just brightness levels. You go, it's bright out, it's dark out. There's the fucking difference. But it wasn't until that happened that people were explaining to me, no, there's a different color that comes out of these brightnesses. And outside is blue, and tungsten is amber. And once, it was like someone put the Matrix glasses on you, you know? You took the fucking pill. And and now you, you're looking at the world in a completely different way. And it, I think that there are, are all these, like, subtle awakening moments like that when it comes to photography comes to lighting. And when it comes to uh, cinematography that happen to folks and they go, they suddenly are like, I know how to do compositions. I know how to do this stuff because they've been awakened to that part of their brain, which was subconsciously kind of doing it to begin with. Um, but they really hadn't, it did, they didn't have it pointed out to them.
1: Yeah. I mean, like I'm thinking me personally, I shoot, and people can see it when they see stuff that I take pictures of. I shoot for contrast, mm-hmm. dark, dark space, and I always frame in black and white. I, I don't give two shits what something's color is. Mm-hmm. I just don't at all. So like, I shoot almost exclusively now on my Q2 on a Leica. i mm-hmm. been doing it for years, and I have that thing where the viewfinder is only black and white. That's mm-hmm. all I shoot in.
0: Yeah, I've got a Fuji cam, a Fuji film camera that I do the same thing with, where I just do it black and white. There's something so when you distill it down to just shades of gray, um, there's something very magical in that. And you're not sort of it's like when you're doing a movie. It's the same kind of deal. Like if like I like doing silent films, or I like doing movies in languages that I don't speak, because then I can just sort of get rid of all that extra fucking frosting on a cake. That, you know, all the funfetti and shit that people put on there and you sort of get down to the core essentials of it. Like how does this composition make me feel?
1: You know? And that's a big deal. And like that can be the difference between really conveying what you want to convey and just having somebody, you know, essentially have like eye pleasure.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. I agree with you. And there is something very magical too about seeing the world, differently through lens and seeing it differently in a different sort of color spectrum and i being a i would consider myself an explorer when it comes to photography and so you know literally putting a different lens on on what is physically fucking in front of me and being able to explore this space with like you know it's like i i assume it's like what, what it's like running around with night vision goggles on you
1: know what i mean Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that feels like a video game. That is the, one of the wilder experiences I've ever had.
0: <laughs> I'm envious. That stuff's super cool to me. I did. I I loved the sequence that they did in uh, it was Sicario where they had the. Um, oh yeah, that heat vision stuff. I thought that stuff was beautifully shot in that piece. Uh, thermal's pretty cool. Yeah, man. Is that like? Have you ever played with that tech in real life?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. So how did yeah, it, we? Had, how did um, it, we? Had- we had thermal integrated night vision in uh in afghanistan
0: fucking wild man
1: you have thermal overlay on your night vision so you know people can't hide behind bushes and shit
0: that's gotta be so it's gotta be like a video game that's gotta be so fucking wild a little weird (laughs) yeah (laughs) right right and how do you hide from that like have they figured have they figured out a way to do that stuff (laughs)
1: yeah, there are ways to hide from thermal. It's not that difficult. You know, just, just think about what you would do to hide from a thing. Like, you know, that none of that shit can see through walls. Like it's, it's all that kind of stuff. Like this is an x-ray vision. So if something is dense enough or cold enough, or like there are ways to get away with that kind of stuff. Um,
0: Well, I would just assume that it would mean that you take your shirt off and you roll around in the mud like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Predator and then you're good to go.
1: (laughs) That's the only way. So anybody out there that's trying to escape the cops on night vision, roll around in the mud. Yeah, do that. Right, right. Hold the torch up. (laughs) Dear God, do that. These pictures start coming out of people getting rolled up in mud. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's all man, it like, work. <laughs> I love it man
0: so oh okay so did you did you ever answer the question did we answer the question like what was the what was the moment that, uh, that shifted it from being a tool into the art form for you was there like a specific was there a specific uh, shot you took or a place
1: um, almost certainly it was um, it was like with still photography specifically, it was probably when I got hired uh, as a photographer at Black Rifle Coffee, which was like 2017, mm-hmm. um, when I was told you're going to be a photographer doing lifestyle and product photography. <laughs> so I, I went from being a in-air uh, still and video photographer for the jump team and doing stills on the ground and, you know, for fun and documenting things to, this is now your fucking job. (laughs) And because I'm artistic as a person, I wanted to make the product photography art. I didn't just want it to be some bland bullshit. You know, here's a mug, take a picture of the mug. Now you're done. Um, so that it was definitely right there that I then really started hammering down on taking pictures for myself. Also, just, oh, I I like what that is. Now I carry cameras everywhere.
0: Now, do you still enjoy it years later?
1: Oh, yeah, because um, to my own detriment, uh, I have definitely turned in work or have turned down work or had people ask me to do something slightly different. And essentially, if not sometimes actually verbally told them they can fuck off and they get what they get because you asked me to take the pictures, how I want to take the pictures. <laughs>
0: That's great, dude. How long did it take you to get the confidence to do that as far as the job is concerned?
1: Immediately. Cause I came into it as a former Navy SEAL and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you guys can get fucked. Like this is the picture you're getting. It's not bad. <laughs> so
0: I'm just going to, we talk about on the show often the imposter syndrome and uh, so many folks that are trying to find their confidence uh, to, in their voice and their ability to say no to jobs and well, I think we figured it out right now you have to go join
1: the Navy Seals
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so the easy path is uh, go spend almost a decade in the SEAL teams during uh, the height of the war um, take up take up backcountry skiing, wingsuit base jumping and ice climbing, you'll be fine
0: yeah, yeah, pack your own chute <laughs> don't worry about it, then you can go be a photographer <laughs> I think that's a great idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, hold on a sec. Oh, good news. My landscaper's here. <laughs> um, well, dude, like it's all fascinating stuff, man. And your, your process of getting to the point where you are taking those photos is so interesting to me. Um, and ah, dude, I hate to do this, but unfortunately I'm going to have to wrap up today's episode just because my yeah, landscaper's just good. rolled in. Um, but uh, your story's been so interesting to me, man, and I, I'd love to have you back on, and, and we can even go even deeper if you want.
1: Let's do it. Yeah, I'm same. Where are you located now? You are, you in Los Angeles, or? No, oh, and who? I left that place long behind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, thanks. Uh, I'm in Salt Lake City now. Oh, cool,
0: man. It's a great yeah, place. I'm actually cool headed, to, I'm headed to Utah for f- film festivals, actually, in a few weeks. So, yeah, man.
1: Oh, cool yeah
0: dude i'm excited we're in uh i think we're going to provo i think utah is where we're headed so not that far yeah man um well dude thanks for being on the show thanks for sharing so much and um you know where should people go if they want to see because i'm on your your photography
1: website right now and i see that you're selling prints are you still selling prints are you doing well with that so <laughs> those are all placeholders um those, the images are mine i've just haven't Opened it up for sales yet? Because I was so busy during the summer, but I will be selling prints.
0: <laughs> nice, nice, man. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a, it's an interesting world right now as a photographer, and how do you make money as a photographer? And if you, unless you're picked up by a corporation or some sort of brand that is hiring you to shoot for them all the time, uh, we're, we're living in a world where I think having a career as a photographer has become incredibly difficult now because everybody's got a fucking iPhone.
1: And yeah, and. I, I think unless you're like one of a very, very, very select few, very famous or well-known photographers, or, and I would put myself a little bit in this category, very well connected. Yeah. You're kind of, you're kind of fucked. Yeah. And i like, I don't want to like, you know, crush people's dreams out there, but try and make it work. But don't be dissuaded by a lot of people saying, nah, we got somebody for that already.
0: Yeah. Right. Cause you have to really sort of beg and, and ca- claw your way into these situations and then find clients that are really going to pay for you. Um, yep. Yeah, man, it's tough. It's a tough business right now. And because and my fiance, she's a photographer and she's also had to become a director. She's also had to shift her career and become a creative director because it's incredibly difficult to make a living
1: at it right now. You know? Yeah, it's next to impossible. It's really hard. Yeah,
0: man. What, what, are you, what are you doing these days? Are you shooting for money or are you doing other things to make cash?
1: Oh, so, actually, I work for a company called Protect. Uh, I got picked up working for them in February of this last year. I've been using their products. They do hydration, rest supplements, um, immunity, BCAAs. Like they're a health wellness with a focus on exceptionally well um, sourced and really well put together liquid supplements. So, hydration cool um, is a that everybody needs. And I've been an athlete my whole life. So I've been using their stuff for years and it's all veteran owned. There's only like 13 employees. They're doing really well. I love the guys and I'm helping them with media marketing stuff coming from where I came from at black rifle and then kind of becoming their spokesman. So, you know, hopping on things like that, like, like a podcast and talking about, my life and why that fits into their brand and why that means that it matters. So
0: it's very cool, man. It's it's very smart. I mean, that seems to be the the way to do it these way these days is becoming like almost like a brand personality yourself and being able to roll yeah. your life into your work and your story into your work. And it seems like people are more obsessed these days with the process of doing so I, here's, there's me plugging my show title, but uh, being impressed with sort of the process that it takes to make these things and the real life experiences that it takes to make these things. And as we enter the dawn of AI, we go through the process of all that. I think the power of story and the power of human experiences is super fucking important. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is that you've done so many real life experiences that have really tuned you into your own emotions and the emotions of people around you. Um, And I think you've got a lot of really interesting stories to tell, man. So.
1: I I appreciate it. And that's, I'm not going to want to, I don't want to look back at whatever age I end up dying and saying, well, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know, dude. <laughs> Take it from a guy that almost dropped dead. <laughs> I know. Yeah.
0: You know you hey. you're laying in bed going, "Fuck, <laughs> I didn't do this thing I wanted to do." Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Second chances, brother. Second chances. Well, man, thank you, Trevor, for being on the show. I I feel bad that I have to cut it off short, but I know my landscaper. He's about to pull out some gas-powered shrub cutter. <laughs>
1: No, that's okay. Um, it gives us an opportunity to do more, so let's do another one.
0: Thank you, brother. I appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you very much.
0: All right. I look, I'm sorry I had to cut it off so short. I, I – I, I, I've been doing this for a while now, and I could feel that we were ready to start ramping up, right? But uh, I also could, you know, from prior experience, I knew that uh, my landscaper has, like, he's got these hedge clippers, right, that I should use in a fucking horror movie. It, they they kind of remind me of the the clippers that took out the uh, the older woman in uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Remember the, the polecat guy that swings down and he, and he gets her in the neck? Which and, and the girls in the back are like, she's hurt, right? It's like that thing, but fucking bigger and it's gas powered. And, uh, I know he's going to be out there shaping our bushes soon. And uh, look, I'm not shitting on the dude. He's got a great gig. I'm happy he's out there. Our yard looks great, but it's just, I never know when he's going to fucking be here. I wouldn't have done it today. <sighs> but anyway, anyway, um, uh, Trevor's a great dude. Um, and his story is very inspiring and I may not be the type of person that would have gone into the military. I don't come from a family of folks that did that. Um, and I think it, you would have been hard-pressed to try to convince me they would have to be you know anything short of a draft to get me to do that kind of stuff. But I have nothing but respect for the men and women that do that. And just, man, the, the envy at the level of uh, personal understanding that these folks have and you know the transformation that happens to you after you go through something like that um and that training and uh you know stretching your your mind to its limits there he is starting it up in the background i don't know if the noise canceling is killing it yet but um i appreciate trevor thank you for being on the show my friend and i appreciate all of you and i hope you guys liked it man we're we're trying to broaden the episodes a bit talk to some interesting folks it's been a while since i've done this i've got some more guests coming on that are on the fringe on the outside fringes of what the show would normally do for interviews um and uh, i'm pumped about it makes my life more interesting and hopefully makes the shows more interesting to listen to you know so uh, without further ado thank you for listening i'm gonna let you go before he gets super close with that crazy fucking old lady killing machine that he's out there using and uh, as always i will see you next tuesday